That's right, you geeks. Welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. Back from a little <laughs> bit of a temporary hiatus. Back from uh, unplanned, unwanted hiatus. That's right. Um, the good news is I didn't have to update, upgrade to Windows 10. That is great news. All I needed was uh, a hotfix. That's what she said. I uh, I did upgrade to Windows 10 and almost wrecked the program because Skype updated. So that was that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was yeah impressive. yeah. It's, it's not a good sign when uh, the call starts 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 on Skype and it literally goes one second before it completely freezes and shuts right. down. So mm. whatever we figured. It I out. have a funny feeling Skype is not the the platform of the future. In any case. <laughs> Folks, welcome to the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. This is the Echo Screen Live. I am your host, the Commodore. That there on the other side of the screen is Rue. Yeah. Uh, Rue is doing well because his computer is actually running tonight. So you might be asking yourself, why did this happen? Because when I spoke to these guys, when I saw these gentlemen speak to us on camera last time. Which was like five years ago. They seemed to think that they were going to be back in two weeks. Well, we seem to think that that was correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, but you know what they say about the best laid plans? They're paved with good intentions. Right. Yep. I think John Lennon said that. Yep. And imagine all the people with their blue screen of death. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still not exactly sure what was wrong. Something wrong with the driver. and I was getting blue screens of death. I couldn't go more than five minutes without the computer shutting down. So I uh, found it, fixed it. We're good to go. Uh, let's get going. What we got? Let's get this thing. Let's 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 get this party started. So we had a topic Ooh, yeah. we were going to talk about uh, last time, okay? And it carried over. It's it's a it's a good enough topic that I think we should talk about it now as well. Musicals part two. Musicals part two. Speaking of which, I have something to tell you later about musicals. Oh, that should be good. Um, so we. Uh, I had read an article, and this was in preparation of GDC. It talked about um, Frank Cifaldi. I, I know you mm -hmm. uh, have a, a particular fondness for. I think he does a, a really good job. I follow him on Twitter. He's fun to watch. Great video game historian, amateur yes. historian. And he's kind of, that's kind of where he shifted all of his focus now, which is why he's doing what he's doing. So he kind of went more from the journalistic kind of side into more of the archival side and ended up making some games doing that kind of stuff and um, really cool. Anyway, he was doing a talk at GDC and I'm going to say this recently because I don't even remember how long ago this was considering how long ago the show was supposed to happen. But we're going to talk today about what he talked about there, which is um, emulation. And really, how it became a bad word, and, and what does it really mean for gaming today? And can it actually make gaming better? That's what we're going to talk about today. So, on, on a completely unrelated note, I yeah. almost wore the same exact shirt you're wearing tonight. Oh, that would have been crazy. <laughs> it would have been so embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Oh, wearing the same thing. Anyway, sorry. Uh, for those who are listening in, uh, Commodore is wearing his Marching Tar Heels t-shirt, I believe. Right, I am. Because he's a major the, dork. The the shirt that you and I bought at the exact same time. Yes. And that's why I almost wore mine. Anyway. Uh, so tits and yeah, bits. So that is the topic du jour. That's the yeah. topic du jour. As, uh, as those of you who have seen the program previously, which probably is all of you at this point, because anybody that has seen the program at this point would say, who are these people and why have they been gone for so long? <laughs> um, and who, why are they randomly doing a show tonight? But we actually do this program, this here program, in three parts. First, we have the, uh, uh, the some news and notes, 
We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump over those the tids and bits. We're gonna get into the topic du jour after that, and then we will get into the question and answer portion of the program. If any of you have any questions for us to answer live on the air, all you have to do is click on my name if you're following me along in the chat, Commodore one twenty eight. That's me. Send me a private message in our IRC channel because we are that high tech. And uh, or you can tweet at it's the Commodore. All of the best questions rounded up throughout the entire program. We're going to ask them at the end. We're going to answer them on the air. It's going to be great. Okay? Is that a plan? Sure. Why not? Everybody caught up? Yeah. Okay. Why don't you start us off with some news and notes for the people since, you know, we could really talk about anything that's probably happened over <coughs> the last maybe two months and that's, since we've been here. And that's why I'm going to talk about something that happened today. So. Google. <laughs> so Google I.O. happened today. I'm going to go tech. Yes. I'm going to go Google tech. Nice. Uh, and amongst other things that they announced, they, they released the uh, the uh, Android N beta mm-hmm. for, for people on Nexus phones. So I actually went ahead and downloaded it. I am running Android N right now. It's kind of slick. I'm waiting for my phone to blow up at any moment. Um, <laughs> but what I want to talk about, which is something I think a lot of people have been waiting for for a while. And that is uh, the announcement of Google Home. Did you hear about this? Mm. Did you, did you yes. hear about this one? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? What a lovely audience. <laughs> which, which is the uh, competitor to uh, Amazon Echo, which if you don't know what that is, is basically a, a internet-connected speaker microphone thing that you can just put in your living room and bark commands at it and it will do things and um, it works miracles yeah actually i've heard very good th- i mean amazon has a spotty history with tech yeah, to, no to put kidding. it mildly some things are really great some things are poop uh yep. for, you know from amazon kindle to amazon fire phone um fire sticks <laughs> yeah uh fire sticks are probably somewhere in the middle but anyway yeah. uh but echo has gotten mostly good reviews even though it has shortcomings. What I'm waiting for is a Google integrated version of that, which is what this is. It's just made complete sense for Google to release. Uh, yes. They have a beefed up version of Google Now called Google Assistant, which will be a part of it. Um, and basically, why? how is this different from Amazon Echo? So I, you and I are both Android folks at this point. Yeah. I'm sure we both use, I know I use, I'm assuming you do, like Google Now for yes. a lot of stuff. I love Google now. It's great. I really do. You know, I, I can say like, okay, Google, uh, what's the weather like tomorrow? And it'll be blah, blah, blah. It's like this. I mean, that's like the Lippity easiest. Bloopity. That's the easiest thing. But yeah. I can also say stuff like, hey, when's my, uh, <clears throat> when's the tickets for my show coming up and things like that. And it'll, and it'll spit it out. So take right. that, take that, uh, you know, and now add to it the ability to control your Chromecast if you have them, which I do. Uh, yep. The ability to link into things like a smart things hub. Um, That's cool. Th- integrate in your smart home, which, okay, they haven't announced any sort of third party support for this yet, but you know it's coming. So, yeah. And this brings up the larger point, which I'm, which kind of excites me. This is the kind of thing that makes you sit down and think, oh my God, we're in the future. Um, <clears throat> you know, stuff like from Back to the Future too, where you can just walk in and say, okay, Google, lights on or whatever. And yeah. Lights come on because it's integrated. Computer. Yeah, or it's right. like, okay, Google, uh, bring up uh, the uh, Scrubs on Netflix or something like that, and and yeah. it'll do that. <clears throat> this this the whole idea. The whole and you have some smart light bulbs, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, 
I like the idea of smart light bulbs. It's kind of a cool tech thing. But in the end, I haven't gotten any because I'm like, oh, okay, if I want to turn the lights on or off, I got to get my phone. If I even know mm-hmm. where it is, it might be lost. I got to tap on off. Like, might as well just use a light switch, right? Yes. In this, it's a remote light switch. Basically, that's what it is, and, which to me is kind of neat, but not all that. And dimmer. All that. Cr- and a dimmer. And a dimmer, dimmer sure. Yeah. But regardless, it's like I'd rather just have something on the wall that I can't lose um, yeah. to switch it on and off. But here... I can have something that's voice activated. I could be anywhere in the room. I could be busy with my hands doing something. It's like, oh, uh, uh, okay, dim the lights, uh, bring up the lights, you know, whatever. Order me a pizza, literally. Anything like that can happen. And that's very exciting to me. That's the kind of futuristic stuff that I have expected from 2016. And now it is. Yes. It is finally coming. Unfortunately, this will not be launched until later in the year. But that's something I'll be looking very closely as a self-gift. So, Yeah. I, I, I like the concept. I mean, I if if they made Alexa as a better speaker from Amazon, like if they made it as a as a better speaker because it only supports Bluetooth. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, it should be a much better speaker. Yeah, it's it's kind of a crappy speaker. I I probably would own one if it were a good speaker. I actually have you know <laughs> I was toying with the idea of trying to buy some kind of whole home audio system over wireless, and and it's just nothing really. Sonos is, is awesome, but it's kind of it's kind of a Neanderthal at this point because it's forked. That's all they do. All they do is audio. They don't do anything else. Um, you have Amazon Echo being the opposite. It does everything kind of well, but nothing amazingly, right? Um, so if they kind of fix some of those pieces, I, I, I'd probably grab one of those suckers. And the biggest thing for me is like I like the idea of Amazon Echo. The main reason why I didn't want to get it Uh I don't want to. I don't want to have a fractured ecosystem. There are some, you know, yet another ecosystem I need to be a part of. You know, with Amazon mm-hmm. and Alexa yeah. and all this other stuff. It's like I am. I am really kind of wedded to the Google ecosystem now. Even yeah, if, yeah, but but aren't aren't you an Amazon Prime person? Uh, no, actually, I let that lapse. Oh man, I am. I am so Amazon Primey. I am a Prime Eight. I mean, here and here's the thing. Here's the thing, especially with Amazon, they like they're kind of like Apple. They love their walled ecosystem. It's yeah, the reason do. why they haven't allowed Amazon Video on Chromecast. Yeah, which is BS. And, and that by is the way, it's BS in the opposite version uh, way as well. Yeah, well, it, well, what? <laughs> so I mean, there, you can't do things like Google Play Music on the. Oh, okay, yeah. On the on the Amazon crap because they get to use Amazon music and Amazon music isn't as good as Google play music, but Amazon video is great, but, and I want to use it, yeah. but I can't because it's, yeah, it's, but this is all from Go- This is all from Amazon side yeah. that that's restricting things both ways. Yeah, I, I, well, I agree. That's why they won't even, they won't sell Chromecast anymore uh, on Amazon because, because they go, no, buy fire stick instead. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, that, that was the thing that made me say, you know, I mean, getting things really quick is fine. Um, but mostly to me, the biggest reason to get Amazon prime is the video. And if I, and I watched everything that I do on Chromecast, like I have a Wii U that could use Amazon prime video, yep. but that's limiting. You know, I got to yep. boot up the Wii U. I got to only watch it on one TV. And I was just like, yeah, it's not, it's not worth it. So sorry, Amazon, you lost a customer because of that. Whatever. I'm yeah. sure they're not crying too hard about it. Oh God. No. Did you see their earnings report? They're, no, they're... I didn't, but I assume they're doing fine. Probably going to buy Google pretty soon. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, 
I am, I'm interested to see what Google's going to do here because Google has that walled ecosystem. Google is well the center of... Uh, Google is a walled ecosystem? I mean, it's they're, mildly they're, walled, but they're, compared they're, to they're Amazon? They're coming that way. So, wow. so this is one thing that I'm taking away from Google's transitions, and, and, and I.O. is another example, right? So some of the, we talked about some of the controls they're going to be putting on the Nexus program moving forward. We talked about some of the tighter controls, that, like, for example, using their own dialer apps and things like this that they want to be able to standardize so that manufacturers can't put their own apps on the phone. I think we're going to see a tightening down on that stuff. So I think it's becoming a lot more. It's not AOL, right? I mean, Amazon <laughs> is, is akin to AOL to me, right? Hey, That's look harsh. at all this great stuff you get. Well, no, I mean, it's true, right? Here, they look at all this great stuff you get. But it's really um, a nice wrapper on stuff. Is that what you're saying? Or No. So I always think of AOL as the walled garden of the internet because they, they tried, what they did was they lured you, lured people that weren't really into all this stuff kind of into a community where they could just click around and have a good time. And oh, look, look at all this other cool stuff you can do on the internet too. But, but really remember, this is AOL, right? Where you're, 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 you're buying this. That's kind of what the Amazon ecosystem reminds me of, right? Come in and do all this great stuff with Amazon. And, oh, yeah, you can do that other stuff, but why would you want to do that? Look at all this cool stuff we got here, you know? Yeah. Um, Google's not like that. You're right. I just think, I just think that, that in order to achieve some of their goals, I think they're probably going to tighten those clamps a little tighter moving forward. So mm. we'll see. But it's good. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Google's going to do in this space. Yes, I'm very excited for that. All right. What is your tid and or bit? Yeah, so I, you know, I I was going to talk about a couple different things, but I, I I think one of the the great surprises since we last spoke is that the uh, there's a new season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, we're not going to spoil anything for anybody. Oh man, but but I mean, Ned well, coming back as a zombie Joffrey would not have called that. That that was a little weird. Would not have called that. But now, what do you? Th let me just give me a a uh, out of ten. What's your what's your rating of the season so far? Ah, uh, out of ten. I mean, I I'm really enjoying it. It's it's we're we're into completely unknown territory again. You know, yeah. book readers are like, I don't know, we're past the books now. So yeah, uh, this doesn't make sense. Some stuff I'm like, meh. There is some uh, again, not to spoil, but there is uh, some. Loose ends kind of hastily tied up in the first episode that very obviously yeah. was like, uh, we don't know what to do with this, so uh, get that out of the way. And it's like, okay, well, that was messy and, and kind of slipshod yeah. how they did that, but I understand right. why they did it, and it's probably yes. a better story for it. I think you know what I'm talking about. I do. Uh, but overall, very good. Um, very good. We're, we're like four episodes in and I'm very excited for it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go through the this season. I, I, they're setting up a lot of dominoes. A few have already they're fallen. They're setting up a lot of dominoes. But they're setting but up some what? real good dominoes to fall by the end of the season. You know what? Why I like the season? And, and I think, you know, I mm -hmm. might have the majority opinion here or the minority opinion here. Right? But I, I, I really like it. And I think it's. One of the reasons I like it is because things are happening quickly. It has to. I mean, because the the creators have said it's only going to be like another 16 episodes after this season or something like that. Well, but isn't that – but when you read that, when you when you read, okay, there's only going to be 16 more episodes after the season, did, weren't you thinking that, okay, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of the same kind of meandering we saw with Daenerys and – 
you know, Dorn and and some of these these elements that have really really slowed the show down, in my opinion. Well, because because well, yeah, because they really slowed the freaking books down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, last season, which was relatively slow, was still covering two books in one season. So that tells you how much the books can drag. Yeah, there's some good stuff in the books. Uh, in that dragginess, like Brienne's yeah. storyline is is in the books is kind of uh, oh gosh, polarizing yeah. because it can yeah. be boring as crap, but there is some yes. good development in there. Um, there is anyway. Yeah, I think everything has its purpose. I but, guess what I'm saying is, uh, I'm think, not me. I'm not used to this, and I think a lot of people that watch Game of Thrones are not used to this. One is things get introduced and then they get solved right away. There's a particular uh, plot line that involves. Uh, Tyrone, is that his name? Yes, that is it. The the Tyrone, the the uh, the, the the small person, the large black man. Right. Yes. Yeah. Tyrone, um, and he he has the he just like drinking one night and goes, <laughs> hey, I have an idea. Uh, I'm just gonna go solve our freaking problem. And there's no like there's no like cut or dramatic pause, and they move to something else. Literally, they just. They they make they make one cut to the next scene and he's going out there and trying to solve this problem in really heavy dramatic fashion. Yeah, it doesn't take three and you're episodes. Like, yeah, I mean you're you're like this. I'm not used to this. This is jarring. Like normally they go, oh, I have an idea about how to deal with our problem. <laughs> Soap opera fade out, right? Yeah, and then they go. You know, it takes three weeks before you find out anything happens. And just to so. prove my point, we got poutine power in the chat talking about how Brienne has the best parts. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, See, you I, go. I I I. Best yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, oh, you know what I'm talking about. No. Oh, anyway. But yeah, um, wrapping up. I think it's really, really good. I, I think it's a very good season. In, in, yeah, I, I think it is. Much better than I enjoyed last season. Yeah, last season had a lot of problems because it had to try to follow those books, which were. I thought last season was bad. No, I still thought it was good, really but I mean, I still think last season was better than season two. The best thing about season two was Tyrion plotting in King's Landing, and that was about it, honest yeah. to God. But that's because that's like the only good thing that was out of book two. So, you know, whatever. Um, the story is is getting thick. And and for those of us that have read the books and we get to, a uh, you know, a, a point where we know what we know, we think we know what we think we know. The show yeah. is still very satisfying yes, because I, I to agree. a certain extent, you, you look at it and you say, OK, well, I have no idea if this is what's going to happen in the books. But whether it does, whether it doesn't, oh. this is cool. Uh, it, it, I, and that's what's exciting to me is that the show is kind of just going to do its own thing now. Yeah. Vague things are probably going to be similar between it and the books. But you know what? We'll watch the show. It'll be new and exciting. When the books come out, that's also going to be new and exciting. I like yeah. it. I get two two different alternate universes of the same essential storyline. It's very fun for me. And hopefully the book will come out at some point during this decade. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and then the next book will I'm come out. banking on this year. I'm banking on this you year. You think so? I think I'm it'll be so later confident. this year. I'm not so confident. Well, considering that George R.R. R. Martin was trying to get the book out before the season started, he can't oh, yeah. be that far behind. Okay, that's famous last words, but mm, shut up. I don't know. Shut up. Yeah. Um, was, I think he's also a notorious nitpicker. Like, he goes back and edits things a million times. So. Yeah. You know, a perfectionist is what you're looking for. Yeah, he's a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not a nitpicker. He's a he's a perfectionist. So quick, quick uh, wrap up of of pop culture before we move on is uh, so you have not seen either Captain America Civil War or Batman versus Superman, right? I have not. Uh, Man, this is what happens with a kid. (laughs) Well, both of these things have been out for a little while, but I got to see both. 
pretty much mimicking what people say. Super War, Super War, Civil War was very, very good. Highly recommend it. One of the best Avenger movies or Marvel movies, I would say. Uh, and you were asking me if it was better before the show, if it was better than Winter Soldier, and I was, I responded. It depends on how you look at it. I think Winter Soldier was a better movie, but I think that Civil War was a better superhero movie. Yeah, because there was more, there was more candy so to speak, in the Civil War movie. Not that there wasn't, uh, you know, <clears throat> like gravitas and real plot and character arcs. There was. Yeah. it was, And it was really good. Uh, Winter Soldier, though, was, I think, a better complete movie. Um, but then again, you got Spider-Man in Civil War. So, you know. Uh, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man was amazing. Uh, and then Batman Superman was very meh, bordering on not good. It was a yep. giant jumbled mess. It, it's so disappointing, too, because... The, so I have a love-hate relationship with Zack Snyder. You know, 300 I, was a, was an awesome movie. I didn't see 300, but I really liked Watchmen. Oh, 300 is great. I love Watchmen. And talk about something. So right before, uh, actually, I can talk about that. I finished, I finally read the graphic novel Watchmen. I thought you box. already had. No, I, I hadn't. I hadn't. Uh, I picked it up a few times, but I never, I never hmm. read it cover to cover. It's like the only comic book I own. But I read it cover to cover, and I have to say, it's very good. all the people that complained about how Zack Snyder interpreted the comic, out of their minds. Yeah, I, I, it, that, that's job. nitpicking. Yeah, um, I think he did a phenomenal job. And I think that's why he did a very good job, because he basically just took what he saw on the page and put it on the screen, except for the very end, which right, which didn't even a matter. Right, which has a lot of crap in it that Whatever. never belonged anyway. But yeah. I, I did a very good job with that. It was very stylized. Here, the problem is he has way too much creative control, and it's it's crumbling under, yeah. its, own, under yeah. its own weight. If that He's good sense. at adapting things, and, then, and I, 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 I can appreciate that. He's like what I, we were saying before about J.J. Abrams. Some people, some filmmakers are really good at one thing or, or a certain type of thing, but not at everything. Like J.J. Abrams is great at rebooting stuff. You know, yep. he sprinkles in the candy to get you in there and a little bit of excitement. And, and ah, one of these, mm, it's like a, you're eating a, 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 a giant piece of fudge. It's like, oh, man, yeah. that was really good. But the thing yeah. is, if you get served up another big giant piece of fudge, you're like, I think that's a bit too much fudge. Yeah. I'm ready yeah, for someone I'm, else's I'm, I'm dessert. Over yeah. I, I also do agree with uh, Pervy here in the chat. I liked Watchmen, but part of me disliked how it felt uh, like all, like a music video with his song choices. And I agree with that. Like some of his song choices were, I would not have picked Alleluia because um, I think he had the Rufus Wainwright version of Alleluia. In the, in I, when they liked, were I thought up. it was really good. Uh, I thought that music. was dumb. The I did like, I loved the, the Sound of Silence at the beginning. Um, I liked uh, 99 Luft Balloons when that was played. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the music choices I thought were pretty drab. It's not, it's not what I would have picked. Let's put it that way. Anyway, um, so Batman versus Superman was a giant convoluted mess of a story, if you even want to call it that. Um, Superman still doesn't feel like Superman. He feels like angry, angry man. Uh, Batman was good. Angsty man, yeah. Ba- uh, uh, what's his face is Batman was very good. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Batfleck. Uh, the <clears throat> biggest misstep to me was Lex Luthor was, uh, what's his face as Lex Luthor. Um, oh yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, that guy. <laughs> um, well, he was played. Okay. So has he played anything? He was, he was in other movies, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, well, and, and I like Jesse Eisenberg as an actor, but the problem is Eisenberg, it was like, it's like Jesse Eisenberg play playing, <laughs> um, Man, who was the Joker? 
Oh, uh, I'm blanking because I'm dumb. Do you mean you mean um, you mean like the good Joker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, oh, the uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. Heath Ledger, got it. Heath Ledger. It's yeah. like Jesse Eisenberg. Nice tale. Yeah, it's Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg playing Heath Ledger playing the Joker playing Lex Luthor. It makes no <laughs> sense, you know. Uh, it was it's not cohesive. It, it it's not cohesive. cohesive. Lex Luthor yeah. should not be a, a maniac uh, with like obvious mental problems who can't even get through a speech to um, a bunch of dinner party guests without looking like he belongs in a mental asylum. That's yeah, not Lex I, Luthor. I it, it was I'm so bad. It it was awful. I see what they were trying to Lex do. Lex Luthor was Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey was very good. Gene Hackman good, is still the best. Gene Hackman is the best Lex Luthor there is, though. He really is. But honestly, the Lex Luthor from the... I wasn't even big into the Superman animated series in the 90s, but yeah. what little I did see, I really liked that Lex Luthor. He was powerful. He was in control. Right. Uh, he, cool, calm, collected. Like, I want my Lex Luthor to be like Kingpin from the Daredevil yes. uh, Netflix series. That's a good. It's a good point. Kingpin is so a great good. analog. You feel like you feel like he's in control and he's really intelligent. And he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. Any, but it wasn't that at all. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, we went way over with our tids and bits, but whatever. that's okay. We're, we 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 got lots to talk about with emulation tonight. Anyway, uh, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen the people. Right? We were the eager peeps. to talk to them. The peeps. All right, so let's let's move on into our topic du jour. As we covered before, I wanted to talk a little bit about emulation and how, um, you know, again, echoing uh, Frank Cifaldi's uh, presentation at GDC, which any of you that have not watched it, it's posted online. You can watch it for free, um, and I would recommend doing it. It talks about how emulation be, kind of became a bad term in the industry, how emulation currently sits in the industry, and how he thinks emulation could potentially gasp. Uh, be good for the industry in the long run. So there's a lot of things to talk about, but I want to I want to cover just a few things off right from the get go. So I think you you and I have made jokes about this in the past, uh, even from way back. Right? We all <coughs> hear the word emulation, and we think illegal activity. We think yeah. You know, getting, uh, getting software for free that is not normally free through legal means. Right. I, I, I imagine there is an entire generation of uh, younger people today that are on the Internet that think that that's what emulation means. Right. That you're getting free illegal software on the Internet. Right. Whatever. Um what I think what I think is important is to realize that emulation is really just trying is, is just making hardware act like other hardware through software, right? Yeah, I think it's and it's it's pretty much what an emulation does, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's it's just just having you know a, you can, one machine, yeah, that's mimic how, another machine. That's right? how you can another. play Atari twenty six hundred on a Raspberry Pi. You know, it's not mimicking, it's not cre you're not using the uh, Atari twenty six hundred hardware, right? <laughs> that would be absolutely ridiculous, right? The the Raspberry Pi is emulating through software the Atari 2600. The issue is that in the games industry, uniquely, I would say, um, across all of the, the kind of popular media out there, the gaming industry has um, has kind of locked a lot of our favorite classics in time. Mm -hmm. So they don't want you to be able to enjoy them on newer. Hardware. So I'll give you a quick example. 
if if you want to buy <clears throat> the movie, uh, well, I'll, I'll use the, I'll use the example that that uh, that um, Frank Cifaldi uses. So let's let's look at at a, at a popular game from 1987, Ducktales. Okay, Ooh. on the NES, great. Great game. We happen to use some of their music. Solid game. Yeah. Solid game. One of the, I would say one of the best on the system. I would put it top one ten. One of the best in the system, and one of the best of the year for sure. Yeah, right? and that's a so strong it's, year. It's a, it's a. It, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? That was, great. Yeah. Great game. Holy crap! Okay. 1987. Okay, sorry. Let's getting far afield. Yeah, I know. 1987. Can you can you stomach that for a second? But anyway, so 1987. So so it's it's a great game. One of the most popular games of the year. If you want to play Ducktales right now. How can you do it? Hmm. Well, you could get you could get Ducktales remastered. That's not Ducktales. <laughs> get, get a you can get a different game yeah. that's supposed to look like this game or supposed to be in the style of that game. Right. But if you want to play the original Ducktales, how can you do it? If you want to play the original, you could get an NES. You could you buy, buy the NES, game. You can buy the game on a cartridge on a cartridge and play it and play it on an NES. Or that is literally the only way to play it. I actually yeah. don't even know if it's available on the virtual console on oh. Wii. Oh, I highly doubt it. I don't even think it's available there. So the only way you can play that game Check. is to go and buy an NES if you don't have one and find the cartridge and play the cartridge in the NES. Let's go back and, and put a comparable movie from the night, from 1987 up against that. And his choice was Uncle Buck. Okay. Okay. Uncle Buck. It's not the greatest of the year, but it's certainly not the worst. It's actually one of the top ten movies in 1987. A lot of people like it. Incredibly popular. People know it. John, you say Uncle Buck, now people know John Candy. John Candy. Right? He's a guy. It's Uncle Buck. Yeah. Uncle Buck is a great movie. I started watching it the other day and I was laughing my ass off. It's great. I've never actually seen the full thing. I'm a terrible Uncle person. Uncle Buck is hilarious. Uh, Macaulay Culkin, good, solid material. Oh yeah, he was in that. Holy crap. Was. I'm telling you, it's, it's a great movie. Anyway, if you want to buy Uncle Buck now, you can literally consume it in almost every way fathomable. You can buy it on VHS. You can buy it on DVD. You can buy it on a remastered DVD. You can buy it on Laserdisc. You can buy it on uh, Blu-ray. You can buy it in digital download. There is literally almost every format you can imagine for a movie that was like an 8 out of 10 from 1987. Uh, it gets a 51 on Metacritic and a 64 on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's that, I would call that lukewarm. But, pe but yeah. that, if you look at it, it's one of the better movies of 1987. <clears throat> point, uh, point, point of order. Both okay. of these were released in 1989. Just wanted to point that out. Oh, there you go. Okay, so I said the wrong year. Sorry about that. Ugh. Garbage. This whole podcast is garbage. Throw it this out. Whole thing's, this whole thing's terrible. Point is, folks, why is that? So so this is, this is a shortcoming of the games industry, right? And this is what I think Frank starts off with. Why is it that games uniquely shelters all of us from the classics? Do you have an opinion about this? Why is it that they do that? Why Why is it the games industry uniquely seems um, to shelter us from the classics of the past? That's a really interesting question. I think it depends on the company. I think Nintendo... Hmm. Well, actually, I think Nintendo is one of the better companies for giving you access to it. They love selling you the same game 13 times. If you wanted to yes. buy... Like, like, let me turn that around. If you wanted to buy Super Mario Brothers. Right. If you want to play Super Mario Brothers, yes. How many different ways can you think of to play it? There's a lot. There's a lot of. <laughs> you can play it in remastered fashion. You can play it uh, just just the original. Well, what I mean is you can play the original 
but with better graphics, like on the Super Nintendo, you could play, you could buy it for Virtual Console. Yeah. Well, okay, so, uh, so, so I'm going to look at the Wikipedia article now. NES, Famicom Disk System, Arcade, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, uh, 20th Anniversary Edition, uh, so the Wii. Uh, you could play the Super Nintendo version, which is just a graphical upgrade. You could download it uh, uh, on the, either the Wii or the Wii U Virtual Console. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they, and that's not even counting things like uh, NES Remix, where you can play snippets of it. Um, mm. so it's really in that instance, I would so all that to say that Nintendo is one of the better companies for that. And that's because I think they're pretty good curators of their own history. They realize as a company, the weight that they have on the history of video games. And this is a, this is a Nintendo as a developer. Yes. Yes. Uh, now look at someone else like Capcom who made DuckTales. Why don't they make DuckTales more available? Uh, I think it's a combination of apathy and um, uh, not stupidity. That's that's not the word I'm looking for. Apathy and um, ignorance. I was I was going to say ignorance. I mean, ignorance of, of, of the market that sits out there, right? Because, and, and of the history that they are sitting on. Yeah. Because if you, know, if you think about it, right? You and I playing DuckTales circa 1990, right? We're like, hey, this is great. This is a great game. This is fun. Oh, my God, this is great. But odds are, in 1990, either we had the game given to us as a gift from our parents or we borrowed it from somebody or whatever. We probably didn't buy it ourselves. But if we did buy it ourselves, you know, that's great. And, and we move on to the next thing. Fast forward to 2016, if we wanted to go spend some money on a game now, right, and you wanted to go relive the glory days, now you have some disposable income. Hey, I'd love to play DuckTales in its original form, right? So I think to a certain extent, it's ignorance of the marketplace. Mm -hmm. To me, this makes very little sense. The reason the movie industry and the TV industry continue to recycle this stuff as every new generation of formatting comes out is because they realize they can make a lot of money doing that. Video games, by and large, has not done it. Now, it's interesting you mentioned Nintendo. Because Nintendo has potentially the, the most um, publicly known and, I would say, aggressive stance against um, ROM downloading from the Internet. Illegal emulation, as they would say. Because they right? realize what they, like I just said, they realize what they have and they want to be able to sell it to you. Yeah, so now, so now uh, I'm going to use an example from Frank Cifaldi yep. from his presentation. So he asked Nintendo, listen, why do you guys have a problem with this, right? Because you yourself are the kings of emulation. Because if I go buy Mario for, for Wii or for, for Virtual Console, it's not uh, whatever, Wii or Wii U. If I buy it on Virtual Console, right? All I'm doing, all you're doing is emulating an, an NES game. You're not, it's not better. Like if I, if I spend 15 bucks on it, right, it's not like a huge, amazing, great experience where they've revamped things and they've, they've turned it into something better. Right. They give you some other stuff, cool stuff to look at, like special features, like you get on a DVD, for example. It's the exact same experience, just emulated yeah. on the Wii. Uh, right? I, I will say that the Wii U does come up with, a few little extra things. Usually they digitize the, uh, you know, the instruction manual and they put that on the Wii U gamepad. Yeah. You can look at stuff like that. It's a little bit more, but not, yeah, not a lot. It's mostly not the same exact thing. 
However, what, what happened was Frank actually went and, and did a, a look at what you actually download when you download the, the virtual console version of the game. And there is a header in the game that is only present among ROMs that are made to run inside an emulator. So that they, they you remember those bad error, header header errors you used to get in SNS 9X? Oh, yeah. So anyway... Um, they put these little header in it. Well, guess what is present in the download for Virtual Console? It's the ROM header. <laughs> this means that Nintendo probably illegally downloaded their <laughs> own ROM and then sold it back to you on Virtual Console. Well, and that's the thing. And uh, who, who just said this? So thanks for the fish has been uh, killing it with some really great comments in the chat while we've been talking. But... Um, or thanks for fish, I should say. But yeah. one thing he noted was uh, licenses expiring, which we'll get to in a second, or I want to get to in a second. But the other thing he says, like standardization of formats, and that's yes. I think that's just, this is related to what you're talking about. You know, films, movie, television are supported by a much larger industry. There are only only so many ways you can watch Uncle Buck. Uh, if you yes. like, if you wanted to use all the ways, you could uh, nowadays DVD, uh, Blu-ray, streaming. Right. That's about it. Uh, digital, yes. I should say. So here yep. and here, uh, if you if you if Nintendo wanted to go completely nuts and sell Super Mario Brothers on every possible platform, well, what are you yes. looking at? You're looking at PC, maybe Steam, maybe GOG. Uh, you're looking at right. PS4, Xbox, which is great. PS3, is great. Xbox yeah. One, Wii, Wii U. I There's mean, a marketplace. That, that's fine, but that's a lot of di- that's a, that's a lots of different standards. That's a, yes. that's a lot of different ways to try to get this code to work for equipment that was not meant to run that code right i completely agree right so and, and that's so, probably why they're downloading their own illegally downloaded roms well well yeah well that's or illegally dumped roms they what's funny is they they own the code they don't have to download anything that that that's why that's funny right well so, yes but Nintendo's someone already got it to work with an emulator with an emulator, but 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 that's just a ROM dump, right? You can take any you can take any NES cartridge and dump it, and it's going to give you exactly the same thing. Sure, right? There's no change there. It's okay, exactly I, okay. The same I see. Okay, I see. No matter what, right? They instead of taking their own code and dumping it and then selling it to you, they actually went. So they would tell you the reason we're against emulation is because people go out and download illegal ROMs. We don't we don't have anything against emulation, but people go get illegal ROMs. Downloaded from the internet. That's their big problem. Mm-hmm. They downloaded an illegal ROM and sold it to you, right? Right. That to me is the ultimate in hypocrisy. Well, so now, why? So why did? Yeah, why did do that? So uh, they, they do that. I have no idea. Why you gotta go ask Nintendo? <laughs> oh, I thought you were you saying. I thought you were saying that Frank Cifaldi talked to them and he and they told him like, oh yeah, this is why we do it. No. What they did was they jumped all over him and said, oh, well, you know, we, we do support emulation. We just we just think that that people downloading illegal ROMs from the internet is ridiculous. Then Frank Cifaldi did the research and he said, oh, my God, you guys downloaded an illegal ROM and then just sold it back to us, right? So my, my issue here, right, or, or let, me, let me say this. You, you mentioned formatting, which is a, a great point. Yeah, and, and, and I, I misspoke. I, the, the ROM image would be the same regardless of software emulating. Right. right. If, I take, if I take Uncle Buck, I can always go back to an original source material and then I can, I can 
make that I can transfer I can do a transfer and this is what happens right this is when you see an album that's been remastered or re-released right re-released just means they took the same recording that was on the CD and they transferred it over remastered means they actually got in the studio took the originals remastered it in the way that they think makes sense and then re- and released it in a new format right mm-hmm. so the music industry in many ways is more akin to what's going on with video games than the than the film industry but be that as it may all those different formats just go back to transferring an original print to something else new. So point taken. In the games industry, it's not that easy, right? Except that it is. You just said it. If all I, if I have a Raspberry Pi right now, I can perfectly emulate an, an NES as if it was plugged right into my TV. Now, I have a bigger TV, right? If I'm going to stretch it, it's going to look weird. If I want to put it in a standard formatting, it's going to look okay. So it's not going to be a perfect one-to-one match, but it's good enough so that 90% of people that are looking to buy that game could have it. So is it going to be perfect for every system out there or every format out there? The answer is no, right? I, I, get, I get it. No. But why is that a problem? 90% of people just want to download it because they want to have a nostalgia trip, mm-hmm. right? What's wrong with selling them that? Even if it's not perfect. Well, and some people like the imperfections. Uh, the, I completely agree the, with you. The little uh, uh, bugs uh, that might, you know, cause something, come, so, cause some right. fun error people remember from being a kid or something like that. I am error. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. I, 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 think, I think it's a great thing. I, I really do. I think it's a great thing. And I, I think the whole, the whole point of Frank Cifaldi is that games have to catch up with other formats, right? And, and as an industry, mm-hmm. right? Because we all, I think you and I talked about this many times, we want things to be appreciated as art, right? We, we, we want good games to be appreciated as artistic. In many ways, we don't celebrate the classics the way that other industries do. Right. You can buy Citizen Kane on Blu-ray, right? I, I, think, I think that's changing. You think so? Because I don't see that. I see it uh, getting worse. Really? See, be, because here's the thing. It, now, Frank talked about a project that he worked on where, wherein it was a Mega Man project, right? Oh, um, uh, yeah, I know about that. Right, wherein, wherein they did an amazing job because they went back and they got all this other material. So when you paid the money, now it wasn't full price, right? And, and he, they, he obviously didn't set the price. But when you paid the price for that game, you got the original game. You got basically a a completely remade remix or you know a, a remake of the game right not not a different game the same game just remade and you got all this different bonus material as well i think this that is, to me is worth the worth the purchase yeah the mega man legacy collection which is probably one of the best things capcom's put out in a long time that that is it a is, good deal of stuff now why in the world aren't they doing more things like that right because that stuff is great if you told me that I could go buy Street Fighter 2 yeah. and then I have all these assets and all this music that was developed that wasn't used or, you know, uh, a, so a lot, of, a lot of movies, right? They have little documentaries either behind the scenes or they do a little documentary. Why not have a documentary about the making of the game, get the people together? These are the kind of things that make something worth purchasing. Instead, what we have is this, is this ridiculous concept by many, many game creators out there that, that rehashing the past is a bad idea, that we have to tightly control what we own, 
and ruthlessly try to fight people that download those evil illegal ROMs from the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to figure out ways to package these things and put them out there so that people can appreciate them so much better. Yes, and I, I think that's why I can understand why Nintendo wants to stomp down, st stamp down on, on on ROM emulation and stuff like that. I agree be with that. because they're selling it. It makes complete sense. Um, well, they're selling they're selling about one one thousandth of it. But yes, they're selling. Sure, sure, sure. If if you want to play Star Tropics right now, you can't do it. Now that's not Nintendo's fault. I'm not saying it is. What I'm saying is well, that's a fundamental experience of playing on the NES that you can't get unless the developer of Star Tropics. I, I get the license agreement point that that was made in the chat was 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 very very well made. Actually, right? Star Tropics Goldeneye. You know, all these other kinds of things, right? GoldenEye is a licensed property. One of the reasons that it took them so long to make another GoldenEye was because of the licensing. And <coughs> Actually, it, Star Tropics was a, uh, was a Nintendo-developed game, and it is out on Virtual oh, Console. Oh, there you go. So, so there I am. There I am missing it but, again. So but, my no, but you're right about other stuff. Things like... Yeah. Things like... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Dragon Warrior uh, are not released on the Virtual Console. Why? Because, well... Uh, because now Square Enix is one of those companies that they stomp stamp down on um, on piracy and stuff as much as they can, but it's a little frustrating because it's more like, well, we, we reserve the right to sell you these things, but we're not gonna so yes. much in a modern format. Um, yes, it, it's like, like to the point where, like, um, man, we're really thinking about if we should localize like, like Dragon Quest uh, 7 and 8 and bring them over and finally they finally announced that yeah we're going to do that but had people really worried like come come on you're not paying attention to America that's it, the it other might, issue yeah it might not be the biggest thing but there's some there's a lot of people here who do want it and there's a market yeah there's a market for it so uh, yeah I would argue in all of this one of the things that I think is the is the is the worst misstep here is is the failure to identify the market and I think mm -hmm. if if we're if we're all being honest with ourselves, we look and, and see rather than trying to I mean, you know, there's, there's two things that I'm really trying to talk about. One is the commercialization of stuff that's old. Right. Nothing wrong with that. People do it all the time. But secondly, and, and maybe this is closer to y your heart and mine, is that we, we want to be able to preserve some of the the relics of of this medium in a way that future generations can appreciate it yeah if if i <clears throat> and, and video games are are quantifiably different in that regard than other media it's just the way that things are if i want to watch uncle buck all i need is an internet connection and an hour and a half if i want to experience playing final fantasy 7 it's going to be tough right I, I need a ton more time I need, you know, hardware from the 90s. Uh, I know that won't be true soon. Well, but I was going to say, what I mean? actually, Final Fantasy VII was released on Steam. That's true. That so, is true. So like there, right. and, that's, and that's why I say I think it's getting better. I think these companies are realizing that through emulation, because that's what they have to do with modern what they have to do. hardware. Have to. Right. I love that, uh, that um, definition you gave earlier of emulation. You know, it's modern hardware using software to emulate old hardware or something right. like, I think that's what you said. Right. Um, to mimic old hardware. Yeah. Right. And, and the reason why I say one of the reasons why I say that's going, that's happening at least with more modern games, games in the past, at some point 
At some point about 10, 20 years ago, I think companies realized that, hey, these real hit games, these would be good to hang on to and re-release later. Even yes. like, and, and the reason I say it is because like I got a PS3 within the past year, uh, yep. which means I had a lot to catch up on. So what did I get? I got Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 HD. I got yeah. the the Metal Gear Solid collection. I got, you know, Ico and uh, Shadow of the Colossus collection, you know, things like that. It's that Things that have been released, a lot of them on PS2 that were just like upgraded for HD, put out on PS3. So that's not a straight emulation of the old stuff, but you understand what I'm trying to say is that I these, do. these are still these yeah. games that are kind of upgraded for an HD uh, uh, video right. and, and then re-released because the Sony or whoever makes these comp- these these games like Square Enix, Enix, whatever, um, yeah. they realize, ah, okay, there's a market for this. We should hold on to this and that'll make it easier to transfer to whatever is coming down the pike. Um, yes. It, it seems like some of the best-selling games nowadays, especially on things like PS4 and Xbox, are remixes and HD conversions of older games from the PS3, PS2 era. Yeah, and I think I think this is this is why uh, I, I think another motion's happening here, which is that we we talked many times about the rise of indie games, the talk about inexpensive projects relatively to making AAA titles. This is a perfect example, right? For half the money, you take an existing asset you already own and turn it into something that makes you money again. I mean, to me, this just makes a, a, a ton of sense. Um, the other thing is, I like the idea, Sonic Rose mentioned the, the idea of, of English patches for games. I mean, think about how many mm. problems that would potentially solve if a company decided to just go and put in, um, you know, an English uh, titling or, or what, even an English translation for games that were never released. If um, the most obvious example probably for this would be Mother 3. If Mother 3 is exactly what I was ever going to be released in the West in yep. some form or another, it will be because of a fan translation. Not the only, not by far not the only fan translation of a Japanese-only game. But yeah. that allowed people to play the game and understand it in their own language in English and be like, oh, oh man, I love this game. I'm going to be a fan of it. I'm going to buy this Mother 3 related stuff and I'm going to do this and that and the other. You know, things like that that builds up the hype. That's why Mother uh, 1, when it was, you know, very, let's be honest, not that great of an old NES game, which was released on the Virtual Console last year? Last year. And was in the top 10 almost immediately uh, of all time downloaded games uh, for the Wii U. You would think people would look at that and say, maybe this is a business model. Yeah. We can replicate, and we yeah. So we barely touched on on fan translations and and, no. and emulation of that. But that's another thing that but it's a it's a huge thing. Yeah, it's the only it's reason I big. was able to play Radical Dreamers, like a lot of these things that yeah. that, that that I tried to pick up just to, to see what what things were like. It's like this is this is my point. I think this is why why emulation has you know emulation became a bad term because we all grew up many of us grew up in an era where we were just trying to see what we could do rather than what we should be doing, right? So, um, you know, we were saying, hey, I can play Super Nintendo games, which at that point were not many years old, on my PC. Isn't this amazing? It plays just like a Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And that was literally the, the biggest and baddest system out at the time. So that was really awesome, right? 
And, you know, I mean, Cifaldi covers this too, but there was actually time, remember, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when, I mean, Sony was offering emulation hardware or software. So you could actually buy emulation software to play your PlayStation discs in your PC. Hmm. You remember Bleem? I remember that. Yeah, Bleem, like yeah. Bleemcast, stuff yeah. like that. So like, hey, I, I load this software and now my PC acts like a PlayStation and I can play my PlayStation games without buying a different version of it. I just take the disc, I pop it in and I play it. Yep. It's that, that, it's that awesome. It's hilarious right? to think about that being a thing. When you think about that now. And, and, and yet, when you look at something like, you know, you, you mentioned... Um, you know, uh, um, GOG and, and some of these, these things where people can download these, these old games, right? Well, what they're actually doing is taking ports of things like DOSBox mm, yeah. and making it easy for people to understand and all that kind of stuff. Well, what's an interesting part of this is that MAME, the multi-arcade machine emulator, right, which has been around for 25 years, recently just went open source. Oh, cool. So now that. MAME is advancing at an escalated pace, but it's also opening up pathways to emulate things that before were long thought lost, okay? Mm -hmm. The other thing that happened is that MESS and MAME have merged in code. So the new versions of MAME can play things that, it doesn't just play arcade machines, it plays all kinds of things, like CDI, for example. Oh, Play all great. kinds of crap you never thought would ever be played ever again on these machines and you know what as we talked about with with, with uh, when we were in the uh, the archival uh, conversation at uh, at pax one year a lot of these systems are gone to history they aren't even recognized by the people that made them yeah so they're literally <clears throat> after those systems are gone there will never be another way to enjoy <clears throat> that content mame will be the only way to enjoy it and, and honestly it's that open kind open source kind of stuff that'll keep this keep these games alive these older games alive until someone who owns the copyrights if anyone does for various games yes. finds a way to monetize it and it might be something or, as or gets the hell out of the way or whatever you know and it might be something as little as oh like the intellivision uh everything pack which started coming out about a decade or so ago for various consoles. It's like, ah, play like 2,000 Intellivision games on this one disc because whoever owns the rights to Intellivision was like, hey, we can make some money off this. Why not? We'll collect it. We'll get it together. We'll pay people to make sure it's emulated correctly and boom, sell it. And someone yep. someone walking down the aisle in Walmart will be like, oh, 20 bucks for all those games I remember. Oh, that's, yeah, I'll buy that. And then that gets disseminated and it's alive still. Exactly. So. Exactly. So I, I, I think a business model around it is is one thing. I think the other thing is that when we see the whole public use or fair use concept, well, that was interesting. Pardon me. The whole the whole um, uh, the the whole you know a fair use concept when things kind of expire, when companies go out of business and no one owns the rights or what have you just like they do with films and just like they do with, with music right after us, music really doesn't have this uh, concept to be honest, but things after a while just kind of fall off the radar. It takes a long time, 60, 70, 80 years. But once they fall off, you just use them, right? I don't, uh, half of the games, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here, half of the games that were made for the NES were made by companies that no longer exist 
and probably never will. And, and no one really owns the rights to, to those games. Why is anybody fighting over the fact that somebody should be able to download and play that game, right? To yeah. me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Hmm. So to me, it's, it's the commercialization, but it's also people getting the hell out of the way because I think archival either, purposes either are very important. And for yeah. the record, there is no such thing as abandonware legally. Right. <laughs> so just, just note that. Anyway. Yeah, and, and I, I did – so one thing I want to clarify. Sony didn't sell Bleem. Sony actually actually sued those folks, but that was yeah, after yeah, yeah. they licensed. They allowed these people to license, and it might not have been Bleem specifically because I think Sony actually did sell their own emulation platform at one point. But the point is that they actually did license the ability to do that at one point where you could have your own PlayStation that was your PC, and they sued the people that, 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 that didn't do it according to their own rules. Um. Okay, we covered this topic pretty well. I think. I think so. Um, th- this this was this was what I was expecting to get out of the conversation. It's a good it's a good uh, a good topic. We're back, so, baby. Yeah, so we're we're back, and uh, you know, thank you for all of you who were uh, you know thinking that we weren't going to come back with a bang. I think I think we did pretty well there. Yeah, we're gonna bang y'all. Yeah, bang y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get to the third portion of the program, which is the question answer portion of the program. We've got a lot of questions that have built up over the over the uh, the, the the course of us jabbering on. Jabber. So, uh, so it is. Um, yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is. And needs, we'll needs more emojis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't help you there. So, any of you that would like to ask us a question that we answer live. On the air, all you have to do if you're following along in the chat is click my name, Commodore 128, send me a private message on IRC. Or if you'd like to tweet, if you're the Twitter type, the tweeter type, type the type type of Twitter. Type tweet. tweet. All you have to do is tweet me at it's the Commodore. I will take all of your best questions and I will answer them potentially on the air if they're good. Or if did not. I enough, did I throw enough caveats on that? I think I think it is. All right, let's dive. Right in. Boom. Sonic Rose jumped on uh, the first question. I I think she has some advanced knowledge of how we do this program. So this question might have been submitted before the program actually began. Anyway, Sonic Rose asks, question, are there any games, mainstream or indie, that you have taken concepts from and applied them to your life? Please mention which game and how it affected you. Oh, I feel like we answered a question similar to this, and I felt yeah, we I, did. I had a great answer, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I had a long, drawn-out answer, and I'm not sure. I'm shocked. It makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just look back at all of our episodes. You'll find the answer you want. Yeah. The end. Yeah. No. Um, man. We're both <sighs> stumped, and we already answered this question in... Essentially well, I mean, I you know, and uh, trying to answer quickly. I, um, man, you picked this question. You didn't even have an answer ready to go. Well, I was thinking that. I was honestly thinking that it would be easier to pull something out. I, I, I you know, thin air. I, I, I guess here's what I would say. I think games can teach us things in the way that other media can teach us things. As in, usually it's not a direct message, it's an indirect message, right? Um, My entire thesis is kind of based on that concept. It's not that games teach us how to do things, it's that they can propagate a reality wherein we might learn 
certain things and certain behaviors that might not might or might not be very good, right? Um, so, so a specific game that teaches you something that you use in your life, it's tough to do. Oh, I, I remember I told the story about Oregon Trail, um, which I think is a good one. Oregon Trail is an educational game. It should teach you something. You learn how right? to not die of dysentery. That's right. I learned that. But to, to, me, to me, games should be able to teach us things that are less specific and more kind of general, right? Like what, what have you learned from movies, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a tough thing to say. Yeah, but there's things that, man, I really wish I remember what I answered uh, because this, is, this was good. Uh, so to the, to the uh, Sonic Rose says that, to the, for example, for her, to the moon got her to question things about memories and their worth, which is, that's a good yeah. one. That's um, a good one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that make you think or make you, you know, kind of question, you know, things like, I mean, for example, Braid. Braid did the same thing for me. Braid That's is a good a, one. Yeah. Braid is a game that makes you think about the decisions you've made in your life. It's a, it's a platformer, right? I mean, it has nothing freaking to do with that whatsoever. But it will make you think about the way that you piece together your memories and how that has shaped you as a person. And if those specific points in time happened differently, how would they have changed, you know, your life? So, so that's a good one. I'm going to stick with that. Um, in some ways, I feel that video games have been good at learning or teaching um, uh, social social activities. Mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, not that necessarily all games are good at this, but I think some of the games that we've played together. That's how we bonded, I think. Yeah. As far as I say, uh, early on, we, 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 like, I remember the first time I ever went to your house, it was kind of a random thing, and we played uh, X-Wing. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and and we did the thing where we made it two-player, because one person is the astromech who does yeah. the keyboard and cycles the shields right. and activates the Because that game was, was ridiculously complex in that regard. Yeah. Right. And, which was, so many things to do. That, and that's a lot of fun. But, I mean, the thing is, is, like, that's the kind of thing that... Uh, it was it was an in it was and and being able to work together in games like that games like <clears throat> counter strike or tribes or going on to it's expanding the oh, past video games things like D, which we yeah. also played together quite a bit you know that's the thing that in, encourages social interaction yeah. and also uh forms friendships um, it was the thing that got you to the thing not the thing itself yeah yeah, yeah. and i exactly I, 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 I like that concept, and I, I think games do that very well. You know, people that say that games are antisocial, I understand why they're saying that because they I think people can, can be. experience them in, in, in antisocial ways. But, you know, in many ways, I think that, that uh, <clears throat> generations express themselves differently, and I think to a certain extent, um, uh, younger generations are expressing themselves with games as social vehicles. It's just very different than social vehicles look like when you and I were growing up and you had to be in the same room and mm-hmm. which I, staring is, at the same TV. Is so much is so much better to be in the room with someone, whether it's Yeah. And that's something else you could learn from video games. I'm so glad that uh, at least Nintendo yeah, you know, Nintendo has online games, but they also are still still trying to champion the couch co op kind of game. Yeah. You know, with the the splits like the Mario Kart or 
Smash Brothers or Nintendo Gold Land, or whatever. Yeah, you know, getting yep. people in the room together to interact. Um, yep. Because you lose a lot if you're only interacting via a headset online. Yeah, and um, you gain a lot of crap too. Right? You do because when you when you play. You never know what you're going to get. There's no control of the situation. You don't get to pick your friends, right? I mean, it's a, it's kind of a. I was, I, I, I was just discussing this at work because, like, we'll have meetings uh, with our, the head honcho or the CEO or whatever, and it's like, uh, you know, put out videos answering questions that are sent in versus having like a town hall where everyone's actually present. It's a very different feeling and people feel like they get a lot more out of that that visceral like reaction of being in the same room with someone and being the spontaneity of just asking a question instead of having them curated um i'm going far afield but you know it's that same kind of thing it's like teaching people how to interact in a real life situation in front of someone that's where you get real stuff done. You can get stuff done with telecommunication and things like that, but it, sure. it's it's more difficult. It is more difficult. Yeah. And that's it's, a, it's removed. That's a lesson right? that's a lesson that's true throughout your life, I think. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, that was a long as, one question. As Marshall McLuhan would say, the medium is the message. All right, let's go to Here we go. Omega Cat Omega Set asks Good evening, Commodore. Oh, good evening. <laughs> you were discussing preservation of games for history. What game would you personally want to see preserved for the ages? This is an impossibly difficult question because there's so many different answers. But you know what's funny about preservation? Hmm. It's not always that you want the greatest games to be preserved, but that you would want certain experiences preserved. If you think back on all the things that you enjoyed or experienced when you played video games throughout your life and you wanted to preserve a certain experience, right? For example, I was recently thinking about this with Doom coming out, right? I almost would love to just preserve the first experience I ever had playing with playing Doom because it was so different, it was so incredible, it was so awesome as a, as, a, as a young kid just going, oh my God, this is amazing. It was such a different experience than anything else that had been out before. I would really wanna preserve that. In the same way, I think that many of us wanna preserve something like the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, in its original form. In its original form, not necessarily, I, I, the idea of playing Doom, the Which new I, Doom, I, I would love to do it. I don't have the time. I'll never do it. Um, but I'd love to play the original. I can play over and over and over again. It's fantastic. I'm going to interpret this question maybe slightly differently than what how it meant to be asked. But uh, if you could only save one game, yeah, for preservation, meaning, yep. what do you think is the most important video game of all time? Which is a question I think we've. We've touched yeah. on before, but it's always good to ask. Maybe we and, and you can ask it a lot of different ways. What's your favorite video game of all time? What's the best video game of all time? In this case, it'd be what's the most important? What's the most important for historical significance of what video games are and what they came to be? Um, it's hard to go against something like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I think in that. many ways that is a a very important game it is at least arguably the most important game of all time. And it's kind of a universal good, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult to hate that game. Sure. I mean, you can get a little bored with it after you play it 20 times on 20 different things, platforms, but at the same time, 
it's hard to not just pick it up and play it if it's there. Um, yeah. It's been remade in so many other kinds of games, you know, yeah. uh, things like Little Big Planet or uh, Minecraft. Oh, yeah. You know, right. it is like the classic video game stage. World One One Super Mario Brothers. Right. Practically everyone knows it. Yep. Um, not to the say music, that it's, it's, it's like, it's like man moment machine. That game was there. It's not it was, even at that time, that era just needed to happen. It's not even the best super Mario brothers game on the NES, but it's, I would say it's the most important. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. I, you know, I, I could even go with something. This is going to sound weird, but something like Tetris. Tetris is another is one that's obviously up there. Infinitely fun, almost infinitely replayable. And, it's just a great, solid game. There's not a lot of people that don't like Tetris. It's it's a difficult game to hate because it's kind of a universal good. And I would argue Tetris gets a little more repetitive than something like Mario Brothers, which has a lot of, of, of openness to it as, a, as opposed to it. But it's still kind of one of those... Well, It's a game that has to be electronic. You can't play Tetris in real life on a, on a, you know, on a table. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like playing chess. It's not like playing battle chess, right? Which is just fun to play... <laughs> in a you know chess inside of a video game it's something that you have to play electronically and and i think it's a, it, you know it's it's fun um okay ziploc bob i think <laughs> the early years of video games are going to be like the early years of film in that i say this due to the fact that many classics were lost due to multiple reasons mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that so have a lot of classics been lost from video game history? Uh, completely and utterly gone. I'm sure some have. More, I'm sure some have. But. And, and we've, so I've talked about this during various panels across the country. And we, of course, both have referenced before the amazing panel we saw at PAX East, yeah. East like something like three or four years ago now that was uh, um, uh, hosted by John Anderson, formerly of Gama Sutra, where. Yep. Basically, it was discussing how much has been lost in video game history, especially yeah. in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I think a lot of that, like source code and documents yes. and things like that. Documentation, that's, <clears throat> you know, all the all the surrounding assets and those kinds of things have been yeah. lost. And, and the thing is, is that that's lost for a lot of the same reasons early films have been lost it's just negligence you know no one yeah. no one when they're making something necessarily thinks oh, this is going to be important someday i better right. hang on to this it's like no atari's going out of not going out of business atari's losing a money hand over fist they're going to shut right. down places and throw it all in the garbage um yep. because it's 1983 and who gives a crap right yeah uh and there wasn't the dumping ground of electronics all across the world the way that there are there is now right but i think that we are we are still close enough to that era and enough people realize that it was important to preserve such things that we haven't we haven't lost a lot completely whereas a lot of early films that were at the time super big i've brought this up before is uh cleopatra which was like at the time the biggest uh, Cecil B. DeMille's, I think, uh, Cleopatra, mm-hmm. made in like 1917 or something. It was like just a huge, huge production. Thousands of people have cast, you know, millions of dollars or, or the equivalent. And we have like two short clips of it that exist. Part of that's yep. because film stock for the longest time was extraordinarily flammable. 
right um, and so like you might have a couple copies of the original film and then poof it's it's gone in the warehouse uh, luckily, we don't have that problem with video games so much. Yeah. Although the digital digitization of that, such information, if things are kept solely solely on digital format, that is a potential issue. Yeah, which we've talked about in the past as well. Versus digital versus physical media, and and even there, it gets it gets you know horribly complicated. I mean, I, I think. I think video films are going to are going to dwarf video games in terms of what has been lost, mm-hmm. because there's it was a, a very different era. We films in many ways became kind of the original preservation medium, um, because people really wanted to hold on to them. Um, video games are following in the footsteps of films, so it's kind of you know it's kind of difficult to compare the two, but. Um, you know, I think video games have a chance to survive for a lot longer than people think because they are code. It's just ones and zeros. If you can save things, there's where there's a will, there's a way, right? Um, and you know, in many ways, code is eternal, right? I mean, there's it's, I, I, you know, I'll, g- I'll give you the example of. Jordan Mechner finding an original version of Prince of Persia on a, on a random floppy disk in a box inside his parents' house. Right. Yeah, that game would have been lost forever, except in the many ways that it had been recreated, except his father found the disk and they were able to run all kinds of crazy stuff on it to, to make sure the data was intact and then they saved it and everything worked fine. Right. Yeah. I would say with the archival methods that are around today, we're doing a pretty good job with stuff from that that era when things were more often thrown out. But like I said before, and is noted in the chat by Luscious T. Oh, I thought it was mm-hmm. Lucas. Uh, Luscious T. Uh, talking about how, you know, legacy of patches and DLC could be more of an issue with games coming out now rather than those in the past. So like, and like I said, that'll be interesting. We're not worried about it so much right now. Yeah. Maybe we should be. You're right. And I think there, there are corners. The other thing is the internet is not... We can't confuse the web with the internet, mm-hmm. right? The internet, there are corners of the internet where I'm sure there, there is so much of this stuff preserved in one way or another in really awesome ways. And none of us know about it. You can't search for it. You just have to know the right people. And so, like I say, these things are always going to be around, right? You just, they just have to be discovered. Hell, somebody just found the only known recording of the original Super Bowl, for God's sakes. Oh, yeah. That, who, and, who would have thought that, right? And NFL Network didn't want to, or the NFL didn't want to pay a million dollars for it, so. Yeah. For so long. So, so, so ridiculous. Anyway. So, screw the NFL. Um, All right. We, do we got uh, time for a uh, uh, some lightning round? Yeah, because I think we got some easier ones here. I, I always pick the, uh, the the harshest ones, the ones that are that we can a- answer in you know <laughs> two or three paragraphs. Um, Captain Carnage asks, "When do you think it's okay to censor a game for the for the audience for for our part of the world?" I guess I guess that means any part of the world. I, or... I assume Western civilization. Yeah, yeah, um, I guess. Yeah. When is it okay to censor a game? Censoring games. We've we've had an entire entire show on censorship. I, I mean. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, right, we're, we're in an era where things are freely available in almost any corner <clears> of the world. <throat> it's really tough to censor things in, in, in the same way as it was even just 10 years ago. Um, but 
you know, I understand why companies want to have cultural sensitivities, right? Nintendo doesn't want to offend people in other parts of the world by putting stuff in there that would offend them or piss them off or tell, you know, teach bad lessons. And, and I understand that. I do. Um, I, I'm, I'm mostly against censorship. I would put that on the onus of parents that don't want their kids to see things that are bad in the case of sex and violence. In the case yep. of cultural sensitivity, I would say if it's something really uh, just uh, beyond the pale insensitive, uh, I think the market would probably – I would hope the market would just take a big giant poop on it and not even buy things like that. Like if someone sold mm -hmm. a uh, – actually, no, that came out a little while ago. There was like a 9-11 simulator game oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a few yeah. years ago, and it was just like a bunch of people were like, ah, this is terrible. That didn't require any censorship on the no. on the behalf of I don't even know who distributed it if anyone but uh, yeah it, because people are just disgusted by it you know it, yeah. it, it, it's a very it's poor, poor taste, taste. Yeah, yeah you know and and things like that like a like a Hitler simulator would just go over yeah. like a turd in a punch bowl and for good reason especially right. in the market would kill it yeah I think to, to a certain extent and so I don't think culture would kill it I don't think censorship is all that necessary in modern times on the techie techie asks what is your favorite rom hack ooh that's a good one. Oh man! I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I have a really shocking, surprising one. Okay, go for it. So, uh, if you ever find this, I, I, I played it maybe maybe two or three times. It, it, it's it's. I, I probably. I'm gonna get myself in trouble with this. It's <laughs> it, it's it's really really funny, for probably all the wrong reasons. Uh, one of my favorite games in the Sega Genesis is Streets of Rage Two. Okay. Uh, there is a ROM hack out there that's called Streets of Rage Really, Really Gay Edition. And it is absolutely, okay. it's absolutely awesome. So it changes all the costumes. It changes them all into kind of the, you know, uh, kind of over-the-top kind of gay personalities, the way that they attack, um, the, the sounds they make and everything. It's, it's actually really, really funny. It's like, it's like if you took, you know... I, I, it's hard for me to hard for me to um, to say, but it's, it's like if Liberace went and made Streets of Rage, this is what it would look like. It's really really funny. It's just really goofy, basically, is what you're saying. It's 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 ridiculously goofy. It's not it's not meant to be any kind of statement about anything. It's just really funny. It's it's awesome. Um, I'm actually looking through a few just to kind of remind me of some of the better ones. And there are some good ones. Um, the uh, ROM hacks. The this is this might be cheating. The the ROM hacks that allowed BS Zelda to be played. This is the one that was only broadcast via satellite in Japan in like four episode installments. Um, those are actually a lot of fun to play. And, and and they were hacked sufficiently to try to give the feeling of what it was like to play. You had to, like, sit down between this certain time period every week if you wanted to download and play the game. And it mm. had, like, uh, live music and, and an announcer over the over the uh, broadcast that was, like, saying, like, oh, 30 seconds or 30 minutes left, whatever, to do your thing. It's like that. But so necessarily a lot of it was incomplete when the ROM was dumped. But it was fixed and it was uh really well put together um yeah some other fun ones are like the tecmo super bowl hack that with the updated rosters and they release a patch every year with updated nfl rosters and you can play 
tech mobile. Yeah, that's a great thing. With like Tom Brady being that's a awesome great idea. because he is so. being forty. Yep, still um, still winning Super Bowls. Um, well, well. Uh, let's see. You know, uh, let's, here we go. So, um, I, we always joke that, that there, that there are, uh, questions that, that are outside of video game them and geekery that oh, wait. we should be able to ask. Wait, oh, before, I, I forgot what my actual favorite ROM hack is before you go on. Okay. Uh, go uh, what's it called? What's it called? Fudge. It's like Super Bunny Hop makes it. Why, why can't I remember the name of the company Super that does Bunny Hop. Is that it? It's uh, super, It's the Super Mario Brothers hack where you can play like as so many NES. Um, oh, yeah. Super, super. What the heck is. Uh, I don't remember the name. No, Super Bunny yeah. Hop something completely different. Oh, what, oh, please, someone in the chat, tell me what this is. You keep going, but. Well, I'm just going to ask a whole nother question. Yeah, when, when people come up with it, they'll, they'll figure it out. All right. So uh, let's see. Toco9 asks, how do I find a home in a hot market? Getting kind of desperate. <laughs> I was reading something about this. The place where I live right now, it's like people are having real trouble buying houses because they go on the market. And then within like people are putting out for sale signs and someone's walking by and like, oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Before you put yeah, that I'll out, it. I'll take yeah. I'll love you. Let me Super Mario crossover. Thank you. Super Mario crossover. There you it's go. not a ROM hack, but I don't care. It is so so good. It takes it takes the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> pardon me. It takes the Super Mario Brothers game, and you can play as like Mega Man or Simon Belmont or Mario, of course, or or so many old NES characters, and they all have like special their own special powers and their own special power ups. It's so good, and I think it's it's, it's just a free flash game on the website or on there's the web. a uh, anyway this is more along the lines of of um <clears throat> the new uh, so i play I, I play this on um raspberry pi but there's a there's a there's a new there's an engine that allows you to play i think it's called love but it's it's basically super mario brothers american with style? a portal oh interesting so literally you play the exact same game but you have a portal gun, so you can shoot one portal here, one portal there, and then you know, like <coughs> you know, have like Goombas drop out of the sky, or you know, I teleport myself over there, or whatever. It's 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 a great idea. Yeah, but but yeah, Super Mario Crossover is like the game I always wanted it when I was a kid, and then someone made it. It was like so good. Anyway, uh, hot market buying a, buying a house that's hard. It is hard. I, I mean, you've bought a house more recently than I did. Yeah, and 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 honestly, the market has heated up a lot since then, which is, has helped us now. Because um, so you wait for the next recession. There's step one. Oh jeez, yeah. <laughs> well, I like I like to say, kind of getting desperate. My guess is, if you're in a hot market, you're probably like a lot of people. Whereas you put a lot of offers in, you probably put in a lot of offers that were at or above asking price and still missed out. Um, you know, listen. Here's here's the advice I'll give you, and this works for a, a hot market as, as well as any other market. I'm just one of those people that believes that if you if you put in the time, you put in the work, the right place finds you. Um, it, it might not happen the way that you want it to. It might not be the right place right off the bat. It might not smack you in the nose as soon as you walk out of the car. But you just you just kind of find your home. 
that's I, to, in my opinion, that's the way that things work. So just keep going, keep working, and I bet you'll find what you're looking for. Uh, it's very important to find the right buying agent. You having a buyer's agent, a real estate yeah. agent, is very very helpful. Oh yeah, and if you yeah. have the right one, it is like gold. Um, yeah, because they'll Absolutely. like they'll sync with you. They'll know what you want. They'll they'll find it. You know. Um, and there are lots of bad ones too. So you got. I think we looked at like twenty-five different places, even though we never had to. But it was just because we had a good buying agent. Yeah. Looking for us, you know. It's good. That's a that's a great. That's a that's actually a really good one for the hot market too, because they're going to be the ones that are doing all the work. You mm-hmm. know, if you're if you're doing everything yourself, that's that's not a good thing. Right. Anuvong asks, "What modern or classic movie would you guys like to see adapted into a video game?" That's a great question. Hmm. Like, for example, you know, I mean, I know the the masterpiece Back to the Future for NES <laughs> should never be messed with. But what it, but, you know, I mean, we, we got to see a great port into a game, you know, with Telltale that, that yeah. uh, you know, well, that was more that, that, a better story than a great game. I still think yeah. I, I still think a really great Back to the Future game has yet to be made. So that would be interesting. So there you go. Maybe that's a good one. I don't know. Uh, there was a pretty decent Ghostbusters game made a few years, well, a few like seven years ago. Um, so that's that's decent. Uh, some sort of a strategy game. Like I'm trying to think of like what would make a great civilization type game. Um, yeah. Maybe. Man, I'm thinking like something Lord of the Risky, that's that's like uh, um, Lord of the Risk. Lord of the, I hate you. Um, Lord of the, did I say Lord of the Risk? You said Lord of the Risk. I meant Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I knew what you meant, but that's why I just kind of. Uh, uh, no, but like Lord of the Rings in the style of Crusader Kings two or something. Yeah, uh, like oh my God. by far the best uh, Game of Thrones game that exists is a mod for Crusader Kings two. So there you go. That's um, oh my God. And and I I would never ever play that, but I actually have watched videos. That's one Let's Play that I've actually done, mm-hmm. just because it's interesting. Because I would never ever do it myself. It's um, fun. There's problems with it, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. No, absolutely. Anyway, I I can't. I, it's tough. There's. I don't know. I mean, um, <laughs> movies made into a video game. I don't know. I, I I could see. I could see some of the uh, some of the 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 movies that have been made that are that are kind of classic action movies get adapted. You know, in in a good in a good and positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have tried to do that, right? I mean, people made people tried to make a Scarface game. You remember that? Remember how awful that was? Uh, like, yeah, like balls meter. Well, like, I mean, you know, Scarface is a pretty terrible movie, anyway. So it, it, Scarface is 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 a is a movie that was made to utterly illustrate gore and all these other kinds of things. So it's kind of kind of a weird game. Um, they tried to make an Evil Dead game. That was a, it was a similar thing. How oh, that's supposed to be terrible. Dead game? Yeah. Yeah, why not make a good Evil Ooh. Dead game? That would be good. All right, let's uh, let's do one more here, and then we'll call it a. Well, I'm going uh, we'll it- to jump. I'm going to break uh, break the uh, <clears throat> break the break the code because I saw a a a question in the chat that I was too excited for. Uh, Techie's okay. asking if I'm excited for Civ Four. Yes, 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 I am. That's the yeah, answer. Really good. Am I excited for I- anything Civ? Yes, that's the answer. And um, so Civ, so the new Civ Six was announced. Mm-hmm. 
Right? Did I say Civ Four? Man, Civ Four. I, yep. I must be Civ- tired or something. My Roman numerals are off. Civ, Civ Four was a, was a really good game. Um, it was Civ Six looks really good because I, I think there's a lot of cool things that they're trying to to, to go after that um, that have kept me from the series of late because I don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really dive in. They make it a little easier for people that want to play a little more casually. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I think the um, you know the graphic style is getting a little bit more cartoony, but I think that's fine. It looks it looks good. Uh, I, I really hope that they I revamp. Like yeah, it's yeah. fine. Uh, it's like Civ Revolutions. I kind of hope that they uh, really revamp the diplomacy. It sounds yeah. like they are they're going to do a few things. Um, that's 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 one of the things in Civ games that's always been a little bit lacking, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, anyway, I love highly stylized um kind of the the, the cartoony feel of things right I, I think people don't do, it's rare that that's done well you you mean you don't miss the uh live action uh uh advisors from civ 2 <laughs> yeah no like terrible. The, like the uh the uh elvis impersonator entertainment advisor wearing yeah, his toga in like uh, roman times like thank you very much okay. thank you very much yeah, it's like <laughs> this is this is going to be a horrible anachronism. Or the any way you slice it in ten years. Or the uh, the spy advisor who is always abnormally hot. <laughs> it's anyway. like uh, it's like like Tanya from Command and Conquer. Yeah, she had the accent too. Um, well, I mean, like a tor- horrible fake uh, Russian, like Eastern European accent. But anyway, yeah. Oh. All those FMV games are so. Bad. So bad. Anyway, so so bad. So this is, you know, I mean, I, 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 I think there's a lot of cool things about Civ that that I would like to see happen um, and get redone. But the point I was trying to make about just the the cartoony graphic elements, when that's done well, to me, it's it's kind of it, it harkens back to a lot of the really great games in the Super Nintendo, where there was a great distinctive art style. And very underappreciated in many cases. A lot of people spend a lot of time developing that, and then, you know, it just gets swallowed up into the annals of history. I look forward to games that can embrace that and make it look great and current. And um, it looks like Civ Six is going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go. Let's let's do this one. Uh, we'll finish off with this. Thomas asks, "What games are you glad?" To ha- uh, I'm sorry. What games are you glad to have experienced? Because emulation has let you discover them. Oh, oh, Mother Three, obviously, Terranigma, obviously. Mm-hmm. But those are probably the biggest ones. Um, yeah, Super Back to the Future Two is not the best game, but I'm glad that I experienced it because for years I thought there was no really great Back to the Future games. That one's pretty good. I was very it's excited okay. when that came out, or when we yeah. found that when we were in high school. Yeah. Uh, I I I actually really did enjoy Radical Dreamers, not that because it's a it's a great game, but because if you really love the universe of Chrono Trigger, which I do, right? Um, and it's another it's another great cartoony kind of universe, right? I mean, I, I love the art style of Chrono Trigger. It's a, it's a great concept. <coughs> Dreamers is a lot of fun. Go check it out. It's very interesting. I've still never completed it. Yeah. Oh, me neither. I, I never got anywhere in that game. But um, that's interesting. But it was just it was just fun. It was just fun. All right. 
All right. Well, we had a uh, we had a long episode coming back from a long hiatus, but uh, we promise that will not be the norm now that we fixed some of our technical issues. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to I be the king. Missed. It's good to be the king. Where did that come from? Uh, lots of things. I, I know exactly where it came from. Um, <laughs> it's good to be Dark so Lord of the Sith. It's good to be back. It's good to be Dark Lord of the Sith. That was that was exactly what I was thinking about. As a matter. <laughs> um, it, it is good to be back, uh, folks. Uh, for any of you that were fretting that we weren't going to be doing the program, uh, stave away your fears. They, uh, they, it's, it, it, that's not what's happening here. We are back and uh, we are continuing. This is something that I have greatly missed. I'm glad we're back here doing this. We're not going anywhere. This is still going to happen every yep. two weeks. So why don't you tell the people when we'll be back next time? So we'll be back on June 1st with another exciting episode. One thing that our involuntary uh, hiatus has uh, come up with is came up with a f- several good ideas for episodes. So we got those in the hopper. So we'll be excited to bring those out for you. Absolutely. Next time. So. <clears throat> anyway, we uh, we thank you all for joining us here for the Echo Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. This was fun. And welcome thank- first timers. Welcome first timers. And uh, and welcome to all of you guys that have been sticking with us for years now. Good day. And, and hopefully we'll be sticking with us for years to come. Oh. All right. That Look was, at that. That was sexy. All right. Well, you all know how to uh, to get a hold of us. We're not even going to tell you. So just we we, we got to sign off. It's an hour and forty minutes at this point. For oh God's God. sakes. Oh my God. Anyway. All right. So uh, so thank you for joining us, everybody. We will see you next time in the Echo Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. For Rue, I am the Commodore, and there is no reset button. Ding. I don't know what that was. So, I brought together this council of of the meeting of the minds. Hey, Cooper. So, when are we going to actually uh, come back again? I'm I'm thinking like three months, maybe four. What What do you think? What does Cooper think? Oh, he says like five years. So, yeah. you want to just like come up with some BS excuse where we don't we don't do another podcast for five years? Sound good? Right. Well, just all you have to do is upgrade to Windows 10. Oh God. Have excuse. Yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> I don't want to burn my house down. <laughs> Lose all those films in the basement. Oh, shh. No one knows about my hidden copies of early 1910s films that I'm keeping next to my space. I, I don't know. That fell apart. I'm sorry. I apologize. Birth the nation. <laughs> Whoa, you brought that in a really bad place. <laughs> I don't know why that was.